Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. We have an amazing show for you today. We have Dr. Tamara Lucas. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-watering cuisine. From falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. With delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. OpenWorks is Baltimore's largest maker space, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welders and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun-free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www.openworksbmore.org or Instagram at open underscore works underscore bmore for class schedules, membership options, and more. No Picks After Dark is sponsored by Snug Books, an independent bookstore serving Northeast Baltimore and beyond. In addition to featuring new books for all ages, the store also carries cards, stationery, gifts, games, and more. Visit snugbooks.com to shop online, learn more about the store, read our latest newsletter, and find a calendar of events, or come browse the store in person. Snug Books is located at 4717 Harford Road, next to Zeke's Coffee in Hamilton, Laurelville. There is free parking behind the store and open hours are Tuesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. What's going on today? Hey, hey, hey. Super excited to be here. I'm so happy we finally made this happen. Finally. You were the hardest working person in Baltimore to catch up with. You were impossible to catch up with. <laughs> I might have to agree with you on that <laughs> But Let's give her her flowers right now, okay? You know, she is the CEO of the Cube Co-working Space that is the largest Black-owned working space in the United States of America, published business professor, innovation ecosystem builder, advocate for Black women entrepreneurs, and also a real estate agent. There's a lot more. She's probably going to let us know, but we got to give the people the flowers while they're on this earth. Congratulations to all these accolades, ma'am. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's the largest Black women-owned co-working space um, in the United States. And I appreciate you having me on today, have this candid conversation, get the real side of Dr. T. No. Hey, 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 we, hey that sounds like a new podcast. I like that. Talking to Dr. T. You have a podcast, didn't you? I do. It'll actually be relaunching next month. Um, it's trust me. I'm a doctor podcast. Okay. Cause you'd be, you'd be dropping some jewels and gems for the people in the business community she's always talking about llc score and i you know i'll be taking my notes when you be talking oh i appreciate you listening oh I'm, oh trust trust <laughs> trust don't think i'm a at, fan i'm a at fan at least i got one listener that's all that matters <laughs> if you got one that's it i'm a huge fan i am a huge huge fan i like to tell people that just 
I'm a huge fan of what you do and what's going on out here. I'm a huge fan of you. Of and you. Thank you so much. So let's talk a little bit about you. Are you from Baltimore? Leslie, everybody needs to know where you're from Baltimore. Uh, duh. I'm from the real Baltimore, the real West Baltimore. Okay. I grew up from Park Heights to Gilmore Projects. So literally everywhere in between Park Heights and Haywood to Gilmore Street to the 1300 block of Gilmore Street is where my footprint and my family has been. Um, once I got married, I moved to East Baltimore because I married a Northeast Baltimorean. Um, and so we bought a house in Northeast Baltimore. And so, yeah, I'm like, I'm from Baltimore. You're Baltimore. I am Baltimore. And where's, so where did you high school did you go to when you're on the west side? So here's a fun fact. <laughs> Our mayor and I went to the same elementary school. Wow. Yeah. That's a throwback. That's a real throwback. That's a real, real throwback. A real throwback. How do you remember that? Well, actually, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> it was just like a random thing. I'm like, you went to uh, Dr. Martin Luther King? He's like, yeah. So we had the same teachers. He, he's, Brandon is actually a year older than me. So we weren't in the same class, but we were there together. Um, or Mayor Scott, I should say. Sorry. I know him as. It's all good. It's all good. He, he, he loves me. But I actually went to the best high school in Baltimore City. Anybody else that sits on this couch and says different, they're lying. I went to Dunbar High School. Go Poets. Okay. Okay. And, yeah. So, when you, so you grew up in West Baltimore, went to high school in Dunbar. Where'd you end up going to college out there? Where'd you go to school? Or? So I actually had a full ride um, to Villa Julie at the time. Um, but part of my life story is really talking about a lot of the obstacles that I had to overcome. Um, I dealt with extreme poverty. Like, wow, Villa Julie was in Owens Mills and it seems so close now. Back then, the bus only went there morning, noon, and night. It was very um, secluded. At that time, like the Ravens was still playing on the campus over there, were practicing. That's where their practice field was. Um, they had just built like that whole building. And so I ended up actually failing out of college and taking my journey to Coppin State University, which was probably the best thing that had ever happened to me at that time in my life period. Yeah, I always ask people to trial and tribulations on the business side, but let's we'll go over it. So What'd you learn from that experience of like schooling? Like where you were like, oh, I gotta get get my act together, or I feel like this is where I wanna be, or I wanna get out of the way I used to be, I wanna move in. Like what 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 was that thing that happened at switch? So actually, like I wasn't a horrible student. I had to choose when I got to college, I had to choose between working and getting a car and going to school, um, or just like roughing it out and going to school. And I just couldn't do it. Like it's just from a financial standpoint, I just could not not work. I needed to have a job. I needed transportation. And so because I was working full time and I am like an overachiever, I actually started to work two jobs. I wasn't really focusing on school. And so that thing that once I failed out of school or out of college, um, it was just like the worst thing that I felt like happened to me. I felt so just, I felt horrible. It was just like, how could you do this? Like college was your ticket out of the hood, to be honest with you. And so I was just like, I'm not going to chase a check 
I need to chase wealth. And what does that actually look like? Mm. Remember back then, entrepreneurship and business, like, yeah, you could go to school for business administration, but it wasn't what it is today, right? It wasn't teaching you how to become an entrepreneur, how to invest in yourself. But for me, it was just like, if I can get a job paying a career, paying X, Y, Z, I know that I can do better than what my upbringing was. And so... Although I didn't take that route of like getting this good government job, it was still my ticket, right? And I just couldn't let myself down. I couldn't let my future down. And so I immediately like, listen, how can you make this work? And Coppin gave me that opportunity to be able to work full time as well as go to school. And the crazy part is, when I went to college, this is, most people don't know this. They probably think I first went to college for business. I didn't. <laughs> I was actual visual communication design major. Oh. I thought I was going to be a graphic designer for Disney. Okay. But they told me I had to draw, learn, know how to draw. The only thing I know how to draw is stick people. <laughs> I went to computer science. Mm. And back then, Technology STEM wasn't as prevalent as as it is today, especially for Black people. And while I went to HBCU, I was still like the only female in this class, and it just wasn't a welcoming thing. But I also felt I also realized that computer scientists they don't talk to people. I like to talk, <laughs> so I was introduced to management science in the business world. So that's really like that journey, that thing. I just knew that I had to get out of what was, I considered the hood and the poverty. Um, and my education was the way out of that. I like what you're saying here. Cause you know, you're like, I, I need to get, I need to figure out how to get that money and get that wealth. Mm-hmm. I understand how I never want to go back to where I came from. I want to move on Excel. Cause I had a lot of college friends who I remember freshman year, it was like 30 of us all hang out together. Second semester was like 15. And I'll be back. You know, I'll be back. I'm coming back to college. Never saw them again. And I was told that. When I failed out, they were like, oh, most people that felt that that's look like us that failed out of college never goes back. And I was just like, no, I'm going back. Like, I got to get my education. I was the first college graduate in my family. Hmm. It, it was bigger than, it was all actually also bigger than just money. It was being an example. I have four, three siblings, I'm sorry, under me. And my older brother, who um, is now deceased, he died in a motorcycle accident. They still looked up to me. And so it was just like, I can't let generations, like, not see success and what that actually looks like. So it was much bigger than that. And it was also, don't ever tell me what I can't do. Because now I'm going to work a hundred times harder just to prove you wrong. That's just in in me. I'm a Capricorn. I'm going to do it. And so that was actually motivation. Like, I'm not going to go back to college. Okay, watch this. Yeah, see, my motivation was apparently you got four years. And I I don't know if I've ever told about on the show. So my first semester, I was put on academic probation at the first semester. Wow. And people are like, really? I'm like... Hey, I was at every Spades game. <laughs> I was at, I was out. I was out there, like you know, what I mean, because I wanted to be in a fraternity. I wanted to be about you, because that was my. First of all, Spades is a is a great uh, icebreaker. It's, ice, great, it's not even just icebreaker. Like you actually, it's educational. It is, but you're there all night. <laughs> 
you know, you, every night I was out, same group, but I learned real quick. I was like, I gotta get, I gotta get around the right people. I gotta put myself around the right people to succeed. The people who want to do things, and that's what helped me get through where I got. So, yeah. what, I always ask every guest this: What is your favorite childhood memory growing up? Oh my god! Everybody has one. My favorite childhood memory. So it's like a combination of my childhood. I am my. I'm originally my uh, maiden name is Smith. So my family is huge. Okay, and so growing up on at my grandmother's house on Gilmore Street, like it was always a good time. And so my favorite memory is just like chilling outside on Gilmore Street with my family. Um, you know, we are all like clowns. Like you cannot, if you want to be friends with us, you better have a sense of humor because we're definitely going to crack on you. And so it was just like sitting around with my cousins telling jokes about each other or being funny without, with my uncle. Um, and so I, I, I am sad that my daughter doesn't get that same experience, but I'm telling you, we were like super close. Don't mess with any of us because it's a whole bunch of us. So it's just like, well, I want to mess with the Smiths because they, you know, it's a lot of them over there. So it's just like chilling at my grandmother's house with all my cousins, especially my big male cousins. I was the child that was going to run her mouth and then I'm going to call my cousins to <laughs> deal with everything else. So I enjoyed that. We had a good time, a really good time. All right, so we're going to, folks, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about everything she's we're done college, the business side of things. We're going to talk about the business. And now you kind of have a picture of the hunger of which, you know, now now it makes sense now, listening to you, how you're so successful right now. We'll right back to these messages, folks. When you give to United Way, your gift could be the first spark of something bigger. It can help provide nutritious food for a family in need. Because eating healthy shouldn't be a luxury. It can help someone with housing challenges and be a catalyst for a new beginning. Because a safe space to call home is the foundation for building a better future. Give today. Spark something bigger. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carryout, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. Folks, we are back. You can say well, Dr. T or Dr. Lucas, whatever, whatever, you know. But you got to put respect in that doc. Got for the doctor. Right. Got for the doctor in there. <laughs> so, get out of college and whatnot. We speed up. You always did. You always want to be an entrepreneur. No, I didn't know. I don't. Don't even think I knew what entrepreneur was. I knew as so my um, I guess connection to entrepreneurship was my uncle. 
Um, he would sell, he would sell you the clothes off your back. He would sell, he started selling things out of his trunk, which eventually turned into an actual store. Um, that was around for a very long time. If you are from Baltimore, my uncle was the person that was taking your pictures on Clay Street. Everybody has pictures with that big back, uh, wicker chair. That was my uncle. Mm. And so, um, but they didn't consider it entrepreneurship. We called it hustling. Yes. And I was like, I don't want to be a hustler. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't want to do that. Right. Because that was just what we were raised to understand. However, I worked everywhere. You name it, I've worked it. My husband and, and my friends, sometimes when we're at our house, they go over all of the jobs that I've had and they laugh about it. Cause I actually like worked at Jiffy Lube. Like if you name it, I worked there. Right. But I would get so bored or easily like I would excel in a lot of the positions that I held and it would just get boring to me or I would see a problem and want to provide a solution and I think because people think that I'm so young they don't realize that I was around when a lot of women especially black women weren't being promoted in certain places or we just wasn't seen as valuable in companies and I felt that very early on and I'm just like if you don't value me then I'm leaving. I would always I would never get comfortable in a office spot. Like I never put pictures or anything in a cubicle on the wall because any day I may wake up and say I'm out. Okay. That's interesting to say that. I never put pictures in my my cube or any office. I never have. No. People are like, where's your picture of your dog? Where's your kids? I never do. In my phone. Yeah, I don't. I don't Which do I'm that. I'm gonna take with me when I leave. I like. That. I, like <laughs> I like that. I like that. Sorry. And so, um, once I realized, like after graduating, actually copping, I was pregnant with my daughter, and I just had to figure out something. Like, what is it that I'm going to do? And a friend that went to college with me, we actually started our first business right last semester of college, which was a kids' mobile spa. And when I say we did amazing, we did amazing. So that was really like my first taste of like being an entrepreneur. She was a mom already. And so she was struggling with like school work and mom, you know, being a mom and running a business. And so we eventually dissolved the business. I um, had my daughter and then I, I birthed like my second, well, my first solo business, which was Ryan's Closet was um, a children's accessory line because Ryan didn't have any hair. So I was just making headbands that turned into a business. Um, and so that was really like, I never really knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur up until like I gave birth to my child. And that was just like me birthing a new Tamira. Like it wasn't just me birthing my daughter, but it was just like, okay, now I'm not responsible for this human being. And I don't want her to see me just living the status quo. I don't want society to dictate what she can and cannot do. And so how do I be a model of that? And it was really like, if I don't follow my dreams, how am I going to tell my daughter to follow her dreams? That doesn't make sense. And so that's where that like entrepreneurship drive came from. Um, and just being able to say, I own this, like, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to maneuver because it's mine. And I am one that don't follow rules. I don't follow rules. I don't know why I make my child follow them, but <laughs> I don't follow rules because I just feel like 
that's just history of like systemic um, racism, right? Just people telling us what to do and how to do it. And so, you know, I try to follow the basic things of like what you can and cannot do mm-hmm. in the world. But when it came to like a job, I'm just like, why do I have to do it the way you tell me to do it if I have a better way to do it? Mm. And so that's just like how entrepreneurship kind of came about. And of course, with my husband being an entrepreneur and just pushing me also, um, him believing in me more than I probably believed in myself. And so that's how we kind of got here. It's a great partnership then. Yeah. It's a great partnership. So tell us a little bit about Cube Coworking Space. Tell us a little bit about that. How did it all come about? Um, yeah, break it down. Tell us a little bit about okay. it. Okay. So I, in 2014, Jasmine Sims, who was the owner of Scrub Nail Boutique in Baltimore, Uh, which was the first natural nail salon here in Baltimore, actually, Uh, we came together to launch Moms as Entrepreneurs. And originally, we just launched Moms as Entrepreneurs as a conference at Morgan State University. That's all we thought about. Um, But the moms kept coming back saying that they want more. And we realized that there weren't any programs at that time or any support to focus on women women entrepreneurs. And that's crazy. This is 2014? This is 2014. Wow. There weren't really many. I mean, there weren't many out there to support women and there was zero to support moms. And as two moms, we understood like there's a difference between being a woman with no children and being a mom when it comes to entrepreneurship. You can assume more risk without uh, with a woman without children versus being a mom because now you're like, do I quit my job and risk not having a roof over my head to follow my dreams versus betting on yourself and saying, hey, Aaron, I need to sleep on your couch for a couple months, right? Which a lot of Silicon Valley entrepreneurs do. And so Jasmine and I came together and said, like, what can we do? And so we launched the Moms as Entrepreneurs Academy to provide entrepreneurship training, resources, support, and babysitting services so that moms can focus on building businesses the way that works for them and not the way that society tells you to do it, right? Um, We know that moms are less likely to get, we already not getting investment dollars as women. I, I was about to curse. We darn sure <laughs> was a, don't get uh, investment dollars as black women. And then when you tell an investor that you are a mother, they're like, oh, you can't do that because you have children. And so we want to change that narrative for black women, black moms who want, you know, who desire to be entrepreneurs. And so in the midst of all of that and like graduating these moms out of our program, over a hundred moms, I may say in mm. Baltimore, um, I love the idea of co-working spaces. And as a mother, I just didn't feel comfortable with bringing my child to a co-working space because, you know, people are trying to get work. I know I'm 
I need silence or just some like time away from my child. And so I also like the idea of like Ikea. When you go shop, you can you used to can drop your kids off in the play area. That COVID kind of changed that. Or at the gym, you can drop your child off in the play area, go work out, come and do whatever you need to do. And so I thought I was going to revolutionize the way that co-working was seen. I was going to be on the front of Ebony. <laughs> I'm still going to be on the front of Ebony, but I thought that this was that thing that was just going to like quickly, everyone's going to pick up on. And so I called my sister. I said, listen, the only way that we can create or teach other people how to create generational wealth is if we are the examples to do that. I have a business idea. Do you believe in me? She said, I believe in you. I said, okay, well, let's put our money together. We're going to open up this co-working space and we're going to provide babysitting service. We did a year research and I mean, I co-working wasn't an industry. It's not like how it was. And, and this is in 2016. It was a new thing. WeWorks wasn't even as big as WeWorks was mm -hmm. at that time. And so we did a year research around like shared office spaces, nanny, babysit, you know, really breaking the industry down. Um, and we then took a year for us to find a commercial property that we could actually afford. And so we actually launched in Baltimore County on York Road in a 1,200-square-foot building. Uh, we didn't have many members. We had to figure this business out. It wasn't no how to open up co-working space for dummies book. Like, we were creating the book, the playbook. Um, I did work collectively with, like, Michelle Geis from Impact Hub, um, Will Holman from Open Works. Like, they were my support in this. Siobhan Cherry, a spark. Like, they all help. Like, we are a community, right? It's not competition. We are definitely a community. And so um, over the pandemic, so we ran and operated. We figured a business model out that was sustainable, that, that we would be able to grow. And then during the pandemic, we had an opportunity with um, a local developer came to us and asked that we want a new location. We said, yes. We took the upstairs a few months later. They said, hey, what do you think about taking over the entire building? That was the scariest shit of my life. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like being responsible for a 15,000 square foot building as a black woman, we... <laughs> Like, I, I don't know any other person that looked like me that is responsible for such a huge responsibility like that. Um, and not to mention, like, growth. Like, how do we grow this? And so it took all of the skills that I had and my sister had to really create a strategy and some good advisors like Omar Muhammad at Morgan State University to help us build capacity um, and create, you know, a growth and sustainability plan. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, we 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 bootstrapped this business. We didn't receive any funding. Mm. Um, and I think that's important to understand. We didn't even look for funding in the beginning because one of the things that I wanted to remain um, true to, well, I wanted to have control. You know, when you're getting money from people, your control kind of, you know, starts to like dim diminish, right? And not that that's a bad thing because it's we're at the place now we're ready to like, okay, we don't need cont full control over this. But I wanted the essence of our business to really 
remain um, true to our purpose. And a lot of times when we were talking to like potential investors, you know, they wanted to change the model. Mm -hmm. And that model would have literally probably put us out of business like it did for a lot of people during the pandemic. We were able to sustain and grow versus not, you know, not being able to do so. And so now we're at the point where we're purchasing the building. Mm. And we're doing it from a community standpoint. We're allowing um, everyday people to buy portions or small pieces of their actual real estate. And so we're creating wealth Mm. mindset. Like, no, they may not become millionaires off of the piece of share that they um, purchase in the real estate, but it's changing their mindset to let them know that they actually can do things like this. And so we're excited about the growth. Um, We have almost 200 members throughout all of our memberships. And so if you guys are looking for a space to work, come to the Cube over here in Hamilton, Louisville. So tell us a little bit about the Cube. Tell us a little bit about the community spaces, things of that nature. If, you know, somebody's watching, they need somewhere to work, they need somewhere, a brand new office. You know, where the world works now, people can work anywhere. Yep. Telework anywhere. So tell us a little bit about that. So we that. have office spaces. We have three meeting rooms. We have any space for you to host um, a large event up to 150 people. Um, everything is membership-based. So you have private offices that are membership-based. Um, they are more, I don't even want to call them short-term. They're like mid-term. So they're six-month leases um, that very affordable. We have co-working memberships, which means you're just a member of our co-working space. You can come in and work um, in any of our open spaces. We have our on-site babysitting services. It's not childcare, so you can't drop your kids off. They're not getting any structural activities per se. We do have arts and crafts. We have a calendar of things that you know we do in our play area. Um, we have all types of businesses currently. We have a total of like 17 offices. 14 of them are currently occupied. So mm. we got three spaces waiting for you. Mm. So come on over. We have everything from um, a makeup artist, you know, braider, a braider to um, PRP services, you know, a law services. So we have Maryland Capital Enterprise in our building. Mm. You need some money for your business? Come over to the cube. And so this is an opportunity not just for entrepreneurs. Again, we have people that are working, um, you know, traditional nine to fives that they now have the opportunity to telework and they just want a different space to work out of. But one of the things that we're launching next month is our corporate partnerships. And so, Mm. or memberships that would allow corporations to get memberships that Mm. will allow their work, their employees to work out of our space and utilize our services. Nice. And we have virtual mailing addresses. So if you don't need an office space, but you need to build business credit, can't use the PO box, but you can use our address as your um, business address instead of using your home address. So that's very affordable. Come on over. Do you need to be a member for that? To be so to... it is a membership. So okay. the virtual mailing address is an actual membership. Okay. So you would be considered a member once you sign up for that. And so, um, you know, we get your mail. We can forward it to you. You can pick it up. You can even get it virtual because um, we you actually get a virtual mail box that we can send secure information in as well. 
And this is just one of your jobs. That's just one of my jobs. Because you're a busy person. Very. I mean, to have you sitting here, I'm I'm just pinching myself. I can't believe I got, I got, I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at my clock He's like. He's dramatic, guys. I'm looking at the clock like, I only got five more minutes. <laughs> She's going to be gone, like the flash. But really, really, I really salute to you for what you're doing, you know, and I'm proud of what you're doing. And representation matters. I always tell people that. To see somebody else doing big things in the community, I love seeing a black person. I love seeing black people win. Period. Thank you. Me too. Um, that's the I, that's the basis of my work and my purpose. Honestly. Okay. Yeah, I, I love it. I love seeing it win. Whatever we can do to highlight it, that's what we're doing. And so I try to get people on the show like yourself because people probably like, I didn't know that. And that's what's all about. I didn't know that's an interesting thing and whatnot. So, what would you? What advice would you give somebody who's I mean, they're watching now? Entrepreneurs. Everybody, you always because you you talk about the episode, but they got to listen to the episode. Mm -hmm. But a brief, like, where do you even start? Like, if an entrepreneur, like, what would be the first two, three, two or three things you would give advice that you've that you've been through to help out an entrepreneur who's listening? Like, I want to start my own business. I want to do this. What would you tell them? The first thing is get out your own way. While there are many places that you can get advice from or tips and tricks. The reality of entrepreneurship is you make this shit up every day, okay? As you go, you never know what curveball curve is going to come your way as an entrepreneur. And so you can't allow yourself or your mindset to get in the way of you actually doing it. Just step up. You got to learn. Fail first, fail fast. Mm. That's You will hear that from any successful entrepreneur. Fail first and fail fast so that you, you learn. And you can get over that. The second thing is do your research. Research, research, research. Not just a simple Google search, but dig deep into the industry and what it is that you want to do. Learn as much as possible. No one could tell me about the co-working industry when I first started because I knew every single thing about it. Like literally, I was spitting off information and numbers. Um, the third thing is connect yourself or, or put yourself around people that are doing the things that you want to do. I'm not successful because I'm the smartest person in the room. I don't even want to be the smartest person in the room. I don't. I, I enjoy learning and not even just specifically in the things that I'm doing. You guys have to understand business is very, it, it's a, it's a, a wild run. And a lot of times the people that are doing the most successful things in, in your in business or in life period, it's all about who they know and not what they know most of the time. Preach. You, 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 hey, listen, I tell people all this. I'm like, I have a good podcast, but not the best podcast. I tell people like, wow, I'm like, they really I'm like, because some people, they spit some real stuff, but it's about those connections you're working with the people in the industry, you know, you see me at a couple parties. You probably be like, and, I, and that's how it is. Like I've seen you at so many events. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I, I must be at the right party. Then. <laughs> that's it, I, yeah, every. I mean, that's but that's how it is. Like you start seeing the same people. People start recognizing. You're like, why is he here? Why is he always here? And they start really want to know a little bit more about you. And I'm learning that going through this process. And I love that you dropped those jewels and gems right there. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't understand that. They don't understand. I always say your, your network, it's not just your net worth. You'll hear that a lot. It's your legacy worth. What is the legacy that you want to leave? 
And how do you actually get there? I'm not buying a 15,000 square foot commercial building because I'm the smartest person in the room. It's because of who I know and what they know. And I don't even need to know every single thing that they know. I just need to know what I need to know. And that just sounds very cliche, but it's the reality of it, right? You want to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, Aaron, I need this. Can you help me? Right? Because everything is not just how much or how much are you going to pay me. You know, you ne- I never know when I'm going to need Aaron. And so the fourth thing is being pleasant costs nothing. Mm, say that one more time. Cause- being pleasant Ooh. costs nothing. And it's a lot of times in, in business, like, people are definitely going to piss you off. I'm not going to take that away. But you got to, like, why walk around with that, right? Like, their issue is actually not your issue. But just be pleasant. I was just telling the kids across the street, we have um, CLIA, Community Law and Action, have their summer um, institute at our, at our co-working space right now. And the kids that are walking in, they're not used to people just saying good morning. Mm. I say good morning. They looking at me like I just like punched them or something. Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, just say like walk down the street and say good morning. You never know who you're sitting next to. And that's what I would say, because a lot of times we get so hungry that we want to be crabs. We want to just hold on to everything. Listen, what you know is what you know. And you don't ever have to worry about where money is going to come from if you're just pleasant. I promise you. And if you do the work. Hey, I agree with you. Everything It's funny. I do a lot of people behind the scenes. And I helped out a lot of different podcasts. People are like, how do you know about, how do you know about so many people in the industry? I'm like, so I talk with them. They call and my, my phone always answers. And I might not pick up that moment. But I'll text you back, hey, what's going on? Let me know what time. I got people coming this month from D.C. and Virginia, who were like, we want to sit down with you. We will pay you for your time. Because I'm like, it's not, and it's not, and honestly, it's not about that for me. It's mm-hmm. about, I don't know at all, but I can help you out with yeah. the tools. And like, I had a guy call me and said, can you do a class on podcast? I'm like, sure. Well, how much you want to charge? I said, honestly, like, I haven't even thought about it. Now I've done a class with, for that before, but I don't really think about it because I enjoy what I do. Yep. And it, if I can help somebody else out, Give me an example. This year, for the first time, Baltimore, Baltimore Sun, they had over 10 black podcasts that were up for nominations for Best of Baltimore. Wow. That's never happened. The top three podcasts for all black podcasts in Baltimore City. Wow. That's never happened. Never. And I know this because I was like, when I jumped in, I was the only person in there. Yeah. It was my mother and another. And, and I remember always tell people, I remember, and I said, success for me is, representation yeah and when i was in the paper last year and they saw that black boy's face there and smallest smile a lot of people were like we can do that yep and it goes a long way so what you're doing is what people like hey if she can do it i can do it that's all i want people to my legacy is i the legacy i want to leave is that people will say at my funeral (laughs) i knew that if she could do it i could do it and I did it. That's it. That's not talk about your funeral. You got a lot of life. You got like we got a lot of life to live here. I mean, I'll be playing in my funeral because <laughs> I want to make sure they get it right. Duh. <laughs> you want control even even from there. Correct. So, you know, we've talked about a lot of different things. What would you want people to walk away from this 
interview when after they say, you know, wow, that was, like she broke down some jewels and gems. She she was, I mean, to write me right now, I'm like, damn, I want to watch this again before I release this. Because <laughs> like, I'm sitting here like writing notes. But what would you want people to walk away from this interview with? I want people to walk away with knowing that your, your, your past doesn't have to be mm-hmm. your future. It doesn't even have to be your story. Um, I just had an article, you know, written about me from a very transparent place that I had never shared before because I never want my struggle, my struggle story to define who I am and why I do what it is that I do. Mm. Why I came from that. It's not my story today and I'm okay with it not being my story today. I just want people to understand that your environment doesn't have to define who you are. Just because you see people doing certain things in your community or in your family doesn't mean that you have to do it. I've seen a lot of stuff in my family. And they always say, they call me the bougie cousin, the bougie (laughs) aunt. And I'm going to take that, right? I'm just like, all right, you know, fine. I'll be that. Because I just didn't want to be a product of my environment. Mm. And so if you, and I don't care what your environment is, even if it wasn't a struggle environment, right? Maybe it's a privileged environment that you came from and you're just like, I had this privilege or I have this privilege, but I don't know how to take this and make it impactful. Your privilege don't even have to define who you are. You know, we've seen like, remember, I think about coming to America, right? <laughs> like, he was a, a, a prince, and no one knew that. Right. She loved him for who he right. was and not for what he had. Right. And so just remember, like, whether your story is from one um, spectrum to another, it doesn't have to define who you are. You define who you are. And don't allow society to define who you are. Every single day I walked out of my house on Francis Street, the odds of me being anything besides a drug dealer, a drug dealer's girlfriend, wife, um, you know, or being just in poverty my entire life was against me every single day. And I knew that I wouldn't allow society to define who I am. I'm going to define who I am. And even in business success, just because I'm a black woman don't mean I'm going to allow society to tell me what I can't do. I'm going to do it, whether you like it or not. And so that's what I want people to live with. Just do that. Do it. Whatever it is, do it. That's inspiring. That's inspiring. So we're always do something really fun to end. And it's called the speed round. And all right. So what motivates you at work every day? My daughter. Okay. Flats or drums or chicken wings? I don't eat chicken, but I would (laughs) prefer um, the drum. Okay. Yeah. All right. Crab, do you eat crab cakes? Yes. Crab cakes or crabs? Crabs. Okay. All right. All day. All day. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite thing to do when you're not at work? Lay on a beach. Okay. And what is your best, what is the best advice you've ever received? Hmm. The best advice I've ever received. That you take with was, you. Was make your voice heard no matter what. Don't downplay your greatness. I like that. I like that. And where can we find you on social media? What's the best way of somebody finding you? Or even if you want to talk about the cube, or what, what, I mean, you, it's the time to plug where we can find yep. you. You can find me at the business doctor. That's the business DR on Instagram, all on every platform, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. 
Um, if you want to follow the cube, please do stay in, um, connected to everything that we have going on. It's at the cube cowork also on all platforms. Um, you can always go to my website is TamiraLucas.com. Some great things coming out. And if you want to buy a house in the state of Maryland, not just Baltimore, but the entire state, hit me up at she sells Maryland, um, on all platforms as well. Well, she sells Maryland.com promise you I'm great at what I do. Your podcast. We got to plug that. Come on. Yes. Plug Trust that. me. I'm a doctor podcast. Super excited for it to relaunch. Um, yeah, we're going to do some cool things on there. Aaron's going to be on there. I'm going to have to call him across the street. <laughs> Come over. You know, let's well, do this. Dr. T, Dr. Lucas, thank you so much thank you. for coming on the show. I'm glad. You know, I was rushing, folks, because, you know, she she got a meeting in two minutes see. now. So, I but really do she have she a pro- <laughs> see, see? see what I mean? So, again, you know, when you have great conversation, it just keeps on flowing. It keeps on flowing. And I appreciate your time. You know, and, again, this is going to be the new season. I'm excited for you guys to listen to all these amazing people that we have in Baltimore, entrepreneurs who have gone through so many great things. And they, they, they're they going to tell you what how it is. How it really is in these streets of Baltimore. All right, folks. <laughs> Love, peace, we're out. Baltimore Fiscal Partners is a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and consulting services for nonprofits, small businesses, and with experience running nonprofits and small businesses, they know that there's not always enough time at the end of the day for you to focus on your finances. Whether it's monthly bookkeeping or an annual audit, tax preparation or consulting, nonprofit or small business, Baltimore Fiscal Partners provides full range or tailored solutions that keep your goals and budget in mind. Learn more about Baltimore Fiscal Partners online at BaltimoreFiscal.com or follow them at Baltimore Fiscal on Facebook and Instagram.